Alrighty, folks, welcome back to Outside the Uprights. I'm your host, Dylan, as always, joined by Zach Miller. But today we have a special guest with us. This is a longtime friend of Zach and I, um, and I'll, I'll just kick it straight over to him. Dez, welcome to the show. Appreciate you for having me on, man. So um, everybody knows Zach and I's past and uh, kind of where we stand with our teams and everything like that. So I'll just give you a couple minutes. Uh, let us know some some of the teams you follow or... Yeah, man. Um, well, I'm, I'm from Houston, so, of course, I'm a huge Texans fan, Rockets fan. Um, I go to University of Houston, so, of course, you know, go Cougs. Um, but actually, baseball, I was never really a huge Astros fan. My dad grew up up north in uh, Rhode Island, near Massachusetts, so I always, you know, I went to Fenway Park one year, and I just fell in love with the Red Sox. So I've been a huge Red Sox fan, uh, Dave Ortiz, favorite MLB player of all time. But yeah, that's pretty much uh, pretty much about me. You know, I love NBA. That's also your favorite sport, but I kind of dabble in all the sports. We we love him. Des always makes uh, always makes the two K lobby a lot more fun when he's when he's on. So um, we're super excited to have him on the podcast. And um, with that being said, I think we'll jump straight into the first topic we're going to cover this week. Um, we're going to go straight into the college football rankings, which brings me to an apology. Um, we had thought that the AP rankings would be out by last Saturday. Um, they weren't, so we didn't record. Um, you know, we kind of wanted to fit that in. I was also moving into college, so we just um, we missed it last Saturday, but we won't miss again. So um, with that being said, we'll jump straight into them. Des, what's your first take on the, uh, the top 25? Honestly, I'm going to say no surprise. I was telling Zach last week, I was like, college football is definitely fun to watch. But I was just telling him, I feel like almost every single year, it's always the same five teams competing for the top spot, Alabama, Clemson, Iowa State, and then usually it's the Big 12 winner or it's another person in the SEC. And that's pretty much what we're seeing here. You have Alabama, Oklahoma, Clemson, Iowa State, and then two SEC teams back-to-back. But, yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't disagree with the list. Definitely, I know you're excited about A&M being at six, which I definitely think is well-deserved. You know, last year a lot of people think they were, um, you know – their, their title was taken away from cultural playoffs. So it'll be really interesting to see what Jimbo has up his sleeves this year, but I think it'll be a good, comp- good competition here in the SEC. Yeah. Um, to kind of piggyback off that, I am super excited to see the six next to our names. Um, I'd love to hopefully end the season in that top four and get a spot. Um, you know, my thing with Texas A&M is um, Jimbo's done great things, but it seems like we just can't get over the hump. Um, and unfortunately, playing in the SEC West, um, you got to beat Alabama to be in the playoffs. And um, that, that, I think that's going to be the biggest problem is you A&M is going to have to run through Alabama. Um, and that's the same thing you see every year with the SEC West title is everybody's coming for Alabama and nobody's been able to really take it from them. Um, being an Iowa native, I love to see Iowa State up there in the top 10. It's great to see um, kind of the same thing about A&M with Jimbo. You, uh, Matt Campbell's doing great things in Ames, Iowa. Um, super fun to see uh, uh, a hometown team up there in the top 10. Um, and I, I, I really agree with you on the same thing about the top four teams. You always see Ohio State, Clemson, Oklahoma, and Alabama. Argue with Alabama. They're 
the preseason favorite, number one overall every year. Um, but they, they back it up. They win national titles. They win big games. Um, Ohio State is one of those that worries me. Um, you play six games last year, and, hey, they won them. All glory to that. They won the games they, they could play and that were put in front of them. But I also feel like they were rewarded for ducking games. Um, I, I don't think that any Big Ten team should have been put in last year with the way that the schedule played out. Um, so if they can come out and, you know, and, and win the Big Ten and actually do it by playing a full schedule, all glory to them, and they definitely belong there. Um, but I, I think I need to see a little bit more competition than six games. Um, I don't, I, they didn't play anybody big there. They had offers to play people, big teams in that bye week and they, they passed on them. Um, so I'd like to see some of those grueling big 10 matchups to see if Ohio state can come out on top. And um, that's, that's my take on the top five. Um, I, I agree with Georgia over Florida this year. Um, they, they were, they did Georgia things on the recruiting side. They did great. Um, Struggled last year, but I, I think they definitely come out on top. Florida's offense was gutted. Um, so I agree with Georgia at five. And, you know, the rest is kind of a toss-up. A lot of those teams can be put anywhere from, you know, 11 to 25. But um, I don't have really any problems. Texas, for the first time, like, what in what feels like ever, uh, coming in at, you know, at a spot lower than t- uh, 20, great to see. <laughs> Um, but I'll, I'll go ahead and kick it over to Zach. Yeah, so like you guys said, I'm all for that. But to base off what Dylan said about what Matt Campbell has done in Ames, as an Iowa State fan, it has been one of the past three years of my life that has been really exciting to watch because just the growth that we continue to do and the athletes that we continue to bring in, yeah, they're not your five-star, they're an average three-star maybe like a high two, but when they're out on that field, they have the mentality as a five-star. That's why Brees Hall, five-star culture over five-star players. But the thing that worries me about Iowa State is that they play down to their competition. They don't go out every week and perform the way that you'll see when they perform against, say, Oklahoma, Texas. For example, you and I, the past couple of years, you and I has taking Iowa State the distance. It's been like a nail-biter every game. So I just hope Iowa State comes out like they did all season long last year, besides we all know the first week, and prove that Iowa State is in the spot that they deserve. Yeah, I mean, you know, last year you saw it. The loss in week one is really tough, especially against a team like that. And granted, they went on to win their conference Um but, yeah, I mean, you just have – and I think that the guys that were there last year and Matt Campbell will be really, really big on the fact that, hey, we have to come out every week like it's Alabama across from us or it's Oklahoma across from us. Um, so that will be interesting to see. Um, but I, it, I'm not really necessarily worried about it. Um, I, I think that a lot of things uh, will change and a lot of things have changed, and I know that – like you said, five-star culture, a lot of those guys are going there wanting to win and wanting to prove themselves. Um, I, I, I see some really big things coming out of Iowa State this year, and um, I don't necessarily know that I can put them in the playoff. Um, I, I know that I've talked about it. If they can come out with an outright and uh, um, with an outright title in the regular season and the, the championship game that they, I think they probably do end up in. Um but again, it's going to come to, just like Texas A&M last year. It's going to come down to those early season matchups. You know, A&M 
loses in week two and doesn't lose again, but you know, they don't, um, they, they don't scratch the top four and it's going to come down to the same thing with Iowa state. They got to be, uh, I mean, I think in the big 12, you're going to have to be perfect. Uh, do either one of you guys uh, want to say anything else about the top um, 25? That's really all I got on it. Yeah, I think it's definitely going to be a very interesting year. And also, like, I just want to hear your thoughts about, you know, just COVID and everything. I know last year everything changed, and we have the Delta, you know, variant going around now. Do you all think, you know, what are the protocols you think will happen? Are you worried about that at all, canceling any games, stuff like that? I am worried about that. Um, I think that a lot of people, uh, or I've seen a lot of schools um, requiring the vaccine, not only just for athletes, but for all um, all students, um, which we won't get into any of that side. Um, I just want to see good football being played the entire way through. I don't, obviously none of us want games to be canceled or COVID scares or anything like that. So I hope that the NCAA took, takes good precautions into it. Um, but at, I, at the same time, unfortunately, we do live in a time where it's something to worry about. Um, and like I said, you know, whether, no, none of us want to see anybody's game get canceled or anybody to have a game forfeited. Um, it, it's just bad for the sport. Um, so I, I, it does worry me a little bit. Um, I would like to see some at least some um, intensive protocols for it, um, just, just to make sure that we get everybody on the field every Saturday. And at the end of the day, a lot of that comes back to just the athletes being smart about it, you know. Um, don't go out to that party on a Friday night or – and, you know, just – when the college football season, I mean, you just have to be smart. Um, just do the right thing so that you, you have the chance to play um, on Saturdays because 7% of high school athletes or high school football players get to take the field on a Saturday. Um so, you know, it's just one of those things where you have to understand that you're in a position where, A, you, you have been truly blessed, and, B, you're in a spot that a, a ton of kids would kill to be in. Um, so just be smart about it. Know what, know what you're doing. Um, and like I said, I, I hope the NCAA puts some protocols in where we don't have to see games getting canceled and we can tune in to watch anybody from Alabama to Coastal Carolina on Saturdays. The, the only thing that I have – with what you said is how would the NCAA make those protocols stand? Cause like you I said, mean, seen it. It, it comes, it comes down to the athletes to make the decisions. Right. Um, well, we've kind of, we kind of saw it in the NBA um, both uh, this last year and the year before. Um, not necessarily like it's obviously you can't put a bubble in effect per se, um, but we saw athletes getting punished um, for, you know, there's a certain, I can't remember who it was, but during the playoffs, somebody had left and went to a nightclub and um, they were suspended. You couldn't play in that game, you know? It was Chris Paul. Chris Paul, yeah. Um, I love CP3, but at the end of the day, like like I said earlier, you got to be smart. You can't make stupid choices that are going to A, hurt yourself and B, hurt your team. Um, but you so I'd like quality because LeBron did the exact, I don't think he went to a nightclub, but he went to some sort of event and received no punishment at all. And I know a lot yep. of players in there are like, what's going on here? Like, Yeah, and I, I, I totally agree with you on that, too. It has to be a quality, you know. 
Um, it has to go all the way down from the, you know, the fourth string kick returner to the starting quarterback on the team. Um, it has to be persistent and it can't be something like we're, we're going to punish this guy or punish this team, but we're going to let this guy slide. Um, I'd like to see COVID testing three days before and then in, to some extent, some sort of bubble, I would, I guess, per se. Um, but a lot of that, you know, I don't think that you can necessarily implement that in the NCAA, but uh, coaching staffs can definitely implement that. Um, so I don't know. I just – I would like to see something put in place by either the NCAA or coaching staffs or athletic directors, school boards. Um, and, again, it all comes back down to, you know, I want to be able to click on the games on Saturday and see the best of the best compete. Um, I've been very adamant for a long time. College football, I think, is the best sport in the world because, you know, you're not getting paid to do it, which now that's changed a little bit. So I hope that doesn't bring any um, any drawbacks to the game. But, um, you know, it's just kids playing, just playing the game. And uh, so I hope that nothing takes away from that this year and we don't have to fight those battles. And then so – for the for the fan side of things, I think that like the universities, this may be a stretch for a lot of people, but what they should do is one, they should either provide documentation that they're fully vaccined, or two, that they've had a negative COVID nineteen test a day prior. Yeah, I mean, I I hundred percent agree. Um... You know, obviously, there's going to be the, the political battles about things like that. But at the, at the end of the day, it just comes to keeping people safe. And, um, you know, I, I would agree with policies like that. And as fun as it is, as fun as it is to see, you know, um, you, uh, we just can't have things like that right now. And again, it sucks. That's one of my favorite scenes in college football is, you know, storm in the field after a big win. But at the, at the end of the day, it all comes down to keeping people safe. Um, and if, you know, we have to lose a couple of those things to make sure that, again, it all comes back to watching our teams play on Saturdays. So, if you know, if we have to implement a couple of rules, I'm 100% okay with that because, you know, I uh, I know from a fan's perspective, if um, if I didn't get to watch A&M play on a Saturday for something that's, that's controllable, I'd be very upset. What are what are your thoughts for the fan side of things, Des? Well, I mean it's really hard because you could implement a rule saying everybody has to be vaccinated, but I mean it's just reality that not everybody's gonna be vaccinated. Um, but I mean definitely help, you know, just being cautious, wearing a mask whenever you can. And of course, if you're feeling sick or you know, you get a positive, then just miss out on the game. Um it's just not even just for the safety of yourself, safety for the players, and just everyone else around you. So, you know, hopefully we keep it to a minimum. For sure. So, yeah, I mean, like I said, it all just comes down to we all want to watch everybody play on Saturdays. Um, um, so then we'll kick it over to the the other um, football, and we have it. The NFL is um, officially back. We have – Football being played every week. Um, I do have one thing to say before we jump totally into the NFL being back. Um, I'm not a Bears fan, and I, but I, I will be rooting for Justin Fields and the Bears this year. Um, 
Andy Dalton has played four preseason drives and does not have a first down in any of them. So, Matt Nagy, if you happen to listen to this podcast, you're starting the wrong guy. I think all of Chicago knows that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, man. So, anyway, yeah, I mean, I'm super excited. Um, Whether you want to count the preseason or not, my team is one, two straight, and uh, we're off to a good start. I can't. I can't say the same so much. <laughs> I can't say the same at all. Yeah, I mean, I, I've heard good stuff said about Tua lately, getting a lot more playing time. So definitely make a better quarterback. Um, you know, me Houston. I'm tuned into what's going on with Deshaun Watson. You know what happened this summer. Um, we're just the ship is sinking, man. We lost DeAndre. We lost JJ. That was huge to our the community. Deshaun, just boy. So <laughs> this 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 NFL season is definitely very interesting for us. I think with all the moves that teams have done, it'll be an interesting season for everybody. Because for the Packers, you have Devin Funches first year as a Packer because he set out. He set out last year due to the COVID rule. But I think it'll be a fun year. And then isn't this season 17 games as well? Yeah, we have the extra game added. Um, so, yeah, I guess we can uh, – we haven't talked about that yet at all, and it's that's been news for a couple weeks – or a couple Once. months now. Um, now that we have uh, Dez on here, I'd like to just go around the room real quick and grab opinions on that 17th game um, and just see how everybody feels about it. It's all about longevity and the player's health. Um, sometimes playing a lot of games can benefit them. Sometimes it can't. Uh, for instance, I know NBA, they had a very short offseason, and we saw a lot of injuries happen this year that we weren't used to. So it just depends on how long the NFL players can last, you know. You tend to see more injuries happen towards the end of the season, you know, just from – fatigue and stamina but hey, if the players don't play more games that's up to them this is you know that's their life their money um so i'm here for it yeah i mean i from the health standpoint i don't know that it's a great idea and as you said you really do tend to see more injuries coming down the down the stretch um but from the fan side of things i love it um you know you get a lot of these you're going to see some matchups that you don't always see um you know, between conferences and between divisions. Um, and a lot of these, you know, have chances to be playoff and Super Bowl um, matchups and things like that. Um, so from a fan standpoint, I think it's really fun to see some of these games, but I would 100% agree that you do tend to see injuries down the line. Um, and, you, you know, you don't want to see guys get hurt. You never want to see them get hurt no matter who, who you root for or anything like that. Um, so I, I hope that the guys stay safe and that there, it doesn't lead to more. They had the super short off season and you saw a lot of injuries down the stretch. Um, so, so from what we've seen in different sports, the, the, I mean, the, the best guess you can make is that we probably are going to see those injuries. Um, so from that standpoint, I don't necessarily know that it's a great idea. 
to add that game. Um, but again, from a fan standpoint, I really hope that it works out because it just, you know, it, again, it just adds another Sunday. Um, so I don't, I'm not necessarily in favor of it, um, health wise and safety wise, but I also love to see it from a fan standpoint. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm not in favor or against it, but there's just like everything else. There's, there's pros and cons to everything. But like both of you guys mentioned, you got to worry about the health side of things. But at the same time, that 17th game could be a make or break for the playoffs. So I guess that's where you could be like, okay, I like this 17th game idea. But at the end of all of it, it's about the player's safety. Yeah, and I, I really agree. Um, you know, uh, I, I like to call the NFC East uh, the dumpster fire. Um, but, you know, that 17th game, I, I really do think that in, you know, divisions like the NFC East and, um, you know, di divisions like that, it, it's going to come down to that 17th week. Um, you're going to have teams scratching and clawing to, um, you know, to get there. And uh, you – you know, usually in the NFL season, you tend to see week 15, 16. Um, you know, you, you see a lot of guys sitting because um, you have playoff spots already lined up and all that. Um, I, I, I think other than a few exceptions, um, Kansas City being one, I, I would tend to think that the Packers being one, I really don't think you're going to see a whole lot of starters sitting out of these games um, just because it's going gonna, it's gonna to mean a lot, whether it be a, fighting for a playoff spot or fighting for, you know, the seeds in the playoffs. Um, so again, I, I, I really love it as a fan of the game, but I do worry that it's going to lead to guys getting hurt. Des, you got anything else on that one? I think I can cover all of it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're gonna um, we're gonna jump uh, back to college football for a little bit and just kind of do some college football playoff race stuff. I know we jumped, a, we dabbled in it a little bit, um, but I'd like to get just some some of the thoughts and then uh, maybe a um, a top five come the end of the season prediction. Um, and uh, we can, Des, we'll start with you again. You're our football guy. Oh, man. As I said before, I, I firmly believe it's going to be, like, pretty much the same teams. I think Alabama's going to make it definitely Ohio State. Um, I did say they played a couple of good teams, but you're right. The strength of schedule there is not as, I would say, heavy as the SEC would, but they always the committee always respects the conference champion. The conference champion is always, always going to get in. So, you know, Alabama, Ohio State, I mean, Definitely Clemson. I'd probably say I always make Miller happy, but I definitely have strong hopes for Iowa State this year. You know, I know Oklahoma has been served by Texas. I think they're declining just a little bit. So I think that's another powerhouse team that Iowa State doesn't have to worry about as Iowa State's progressively got better almost every single year. Um so I think they'll take the fourth spot. And fifth, I'm going to have to give it to Georgia. 
So those would be my top five at the end of the year. Interesting. Goes to Georgia at five. Um, you know, I, I agree with you. Um, I, I'm going to skip over the one spot and go to just two, three, four, and five. Um, I think obviously you're going to have Clemson um, and I think you're going to have uh, Ohio state in there. And again, it's going to come down to if, if Ohio state can win the, you know, the quote unquote big games in the conference. Um, so th- there's that. Um, and then I had, you know, the, the two in the one spots, it's, it's tough because you, you know, in the big 12, you have Iowa state and Oklahoma. If Iowa state can pull out the big 12 championship, I think they're in. Um, but they have to win it outright and they have to win the championship game as well. Um, whereas in Oklahoma, I don't think necessarily has to win it outright. I think they have to win the championship game. Um, it's, I mean, you saw it last year, Iowa state, uh, beat Oklahoma in the regular season and then they lost the championship game. And that was the deciding factor. Um, so I, I think it all comes down to who, if, who wins the championship game in the big 12, um, and then in the SEC, I, I really think it comes down to week six. Um, Texas A&M and Alabama, those are the two top dogs in the SEC West. Um, and, you know, it, whoever loses that game is, is A, out of a, um, an SEC championship game and, a, out of, and B, out of the playoffs. Um, so, you know, I think that the SEC really runs in week six, and that's going to be um, – I think there's going to be a lot of SEC fans and just in general college football fans tuned in there because um, the winner, as long as there's no other crazy things that go on, um, they're, they're going to play in the SEC championship, and I think they'll probably win it. Um, unfortunately, for my fans' sake, I do think that Alabama comes on top of that game. Um, and I think you see them play Georgia in the uh, SEC championship and then I think uh, your four playoff teams are Alabama, Ohio State, and I think Iowa State can do it. So I'm going to go with Iowa State here um, and then Clemson. And I think you got Oklahoma and Georgia just on the outside. Okay. As an Iowa State fan, I respect that. But like I kind of mentioned earlier, it really just depends on how Iowa State comes out will be like they'll determine their season but for the top four as of right now i'm gonna have to go pretty much the same four teams as always alabama clemson ohio state and i'll put it this way if a big 12 team whether that's oklahoma or iowa state goes 12 and 0 or 11 and 1 the the twelve and zero or eleven and one team will probably make it in because you won't see a two loss Big Twelve team make it in. So for the four spot, the four spot's tricky for me. So I'm gonna leave that up in the air. Yeah, because you can also make a case for Notre Dame. I know, I know they don't they don't play anybody, but there's there's always Notre Dame's good for what they do. So I mean you have you have multiple teams competing for that spot because you could have 
Oklahoma competing for that spot, like I mentioned. You could have you could have Cincinnati, their group of five team, but if they go twelve and zero, there's there's always that first year that a group of five finally finally gets the recognition they deserve. Yeah, and you know we you said something about Notre Dame, and you heard me complaining about it all last year, so. I, I did have to pull up their schedule here, and I will admit that this schedule is a little bit tougher than it usually is, you know. Um, but at the same time, there's not really, like, any games that a conference champion would struggle with in this game. And that's why I can't stand Notre Dame and the hype around Notre Dame. And Notre Dame's coaching staff last year, after they lost in the ACC championship, admitted that they owned the only reason they beat Clemson earlier in the season is because Clemson didn't have their starting quarterback. It came out of their head coach's mouth. So, you know, you look at their schedule and you see they start the season with Florida State, historically a good school, but this, I mean, we haven't seen anything out of them in years. And then you go to Toledo and then you got Purdue, Wisconsin. Wisconsin's up in the air. They're decent. They compete in the Big Ten, but they never, you know, they don't win it very often. So, you know, I don't really call that a tough game if they're as good as they should be and as good as they've always said they were and as if they're as good as the committee gives them, they shouldn't struggle with Wisconsin. Um, Cincinnati, that's a, I think that's a, a really big game that we'll find out how – really find out how good Notre Dame is. Um, the, the Cincinnati comes in at the number eight in the country. Um you know, a lot of Cincinnati fans very upset last year with how low they were in the rankings and that they weren't up higher. But, um, you know, again, and it, that week, I think, is really where we're going to find out what Notre Dame's made of. They have to win that game. And if you don't, you look really, really bad um, losing to a group of five school. And But then after that, you have Virginia Tech, USC. USC is a historically good school, but haven't done anything in 15 years. North Carolina, they're okay. They compete in the ACC, but they never beat Clemson. They don't beat the big teams. Um, Virginia, again, I should like that's you can't lose games like that, or even be close in games like that to be considered great. Alabama, if you go, if you know, if you if Alabama goes into a game with Virginia, they're going to come out and win by forty points. You just can't be close in that game to be considered great. And I'm not saying they have to come out and win by forty, just like to be that good, but you have to win that game by double digits especially with the hype around them, that has to be a double-digit win. And the same goes for when they play Navy and Georgia Tech and Stanford. I mean, I mean there, there's only two games on this schedule, I think, that they, can, that, they can only, that they can win by single digits and be okay with. Other than that, I mean, you have to have double-digit wins in these games to be – for me to accept that they – are really the team that the hype is given around them, they have to win those games and they have to win them by big numbers. And again, that's probably my bias from last year. They snubbed us from the last spot, even after losing the ACC championship. Um, but I, I just think you have to win those big games to be considered elite and you have to win them in, you know, in good fashion. And you, we never really saw that last year. Um, the, the biggest game they played was Clemson without Trevor Lawrence. We all know how it went down. It was like double overtime, all that, and they end up coming out on top. But, you know, that's playing without the signal caller, the guy that, that I, a lot of people think is a, gen, is a once-in-a-generation talent. 
by the way, that guy went number one overall. And their other quarterback didn't take a snap all year until that game. So, you, you know, when you only win that game in double overtime and they're playing without their signal caller, it's, it's tough for me to truly admit that they are a top four team. Um, so I'll stop ranting about Notre Dame. Um, and if any of you guys have comments on that, we'll, we'll go back to it. But I do agree. I don't think a two-loss um, Big 12 team gets in. So if, you know, if you see Oklahoma and Iowa State have two losses and then you got a team like Alabama or A&M that have one loss, I think there's a chance that you see them in there. Um, or that, you know, maybe you don't see the team that lost that one, but maybe you see the team that lost in – Zach's laughing at me. You guys can't see that on the podcast, but Zach's laughing at how uh, energetic I am about this one. Just so you guys know, it's nine o'clock in my dorm room. I haven't slept since 5 a.m., but it's okay. Um, so, you know, you I think you either see the team that loses in week six or you see the team that loses in the SEC championship go in if, if those two uh, Big 12 teams have two losses. And now I will open up to comments about my Notre Dame comments or my SEC comments. So I'm going to get like a little debate going on here. <laughs> That's why we you started said, this. You said if Notre Dame doesn't, doesn't dominate, say, by double digits every game besides what, two you said? I think you ha- I think um, if they can – if they pull out a victory no matter how it's done um, against Wisconsin and against Cincinnati – those are the games that I think can just be any way, anyhow, just get it done, whether it's a 60-point game or a three-point game. Okay, so let me ask you this. Week one, Clemson plays Miami. What happens? Huh? Florida State in week one. Oh, Clemson. Sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah, I was going to say, Clemson plays Georgia, my fault. Say Clemson loses to Georgia. Georgia is in the top 10, okay? Mm-hmm. They lose to a good team. If you look at Clemson's rest of the schedule, you have South Carolina State, NC State, Boston College, Syracuse, Pittsburgh, Florida State, Louisville, UConn, Wake Forest, South Carolina. Say Clemson goes 11-1. and one. They lose to Georgia. Say Notre Dame goes eleven and one, and they lose to a good team. Yeah, you know that it, it. At at the end of the day, you know if you have that situation, and like Des said earlier, um, the committee does really lean um, on they they heavily heavily favorite um, conference champions. Um, Notre Dame can't do that. They can't have a conference championship. Um, but you know, on the flip side of that, it comes down to, you know, Georgia, does Georgia go 12 and 0 and win the SEC or 11 and one and play in an SEC championship or does Georgia have another lackluster season and go, you know, eight, eight and four, or seven and five. Um, I think, you know, in that situation, it comes down to, you have to look at the two teams and say, okay, they lost to Georgia, Georgia went 11 and one, or you say, okay, Notre Dame lost to Wisconsin, Wisconsin went. 11 and one and won the big 10. So it, it comes down to that. I think you have to really look at those two teams and see, you know, where the losses come from and where, um, 
you know, where the other team's losses come from. Um, I, I don't see Clemson losing that game. Um, I think Georgia's a great, a great team this year, but I, I just don't see them losing that game. But for argument's sake, we'll, we'll say that it does happen, and they do lose that game. And so does Notre, so, and you know, Notre Dame loses one of those big games. And say both of them go eleven and one and win their conference championship, or twelve and zero and win their conference championship. We'll say that George, for for argument's sake, we'll say that Georgia and Wisconsin both go undefeated, and both win conference championships. I I think you have to leave both teams out. Um, I, I think you have to. Um, and that's again, that's not a knock on Notre Dame, but at the at the end of the day, you know, you you have to put Wisconsin in there because that in this situation that means they win the Big Ten title. And then you have to put Georgia in there because in this situation, that means they win the Big Ten title or the uh, SEC title. You have to put the SEC champion in – or not the SEC champion, excuse me, the Big 12 champion in. And then how do you snub Notre – or how do you snub Alabama, you know, if they go 12-0 and or 11-1 and but losing the Big – or the SEC championship? How do you take that team out of there? We all know how the committee is without, with Alabama – I, I and just I, I really don't think you can leave Alabama out of the playoffs unless they lose two games. Alabama is one of the very few teams I think can lose a game and let that game be the conference championship and they still get in no matter what. I think if Alabama comes into the conference championship twelve and zero, they're they all they're playing for at that point is a conference championship. They're not fighting for a spot. I don't think. Mm. Dez is giggling over there too, so we'll kick it to Dez. Dez has a lot to say right now. No, no, like I just thought of what you're saying, but I agree. Definitely, Alabama didn't end up losing one game. They get in, but you know there are a lot of conferences out there. Um, but you are right. Um, if you have a 12 and one Clemson and then a 12 and one Notre Dame, then obviously Clemson's can get in because they are. If they played for a conference championship, of course, they're going to get in, um, which is what a lot of people have talked about in the past with Notre Dame. Why don't they join a conference, which they did last year, but that was just because, you know, COVID. COVID. Um, but there have been talks about it in the future years, Notre Dame joining a conference. Um, so we'll just have to see what happens this year. And you said you'll see Georgia. You know, you don't think Georgia could be Clemson. You never know, man. You never know. <laughs> right. And I'm don't get me wrong, but I'm super excited to see that game. Um, like I said, I think Georgia is the number five or six team in the country. The, come it'll, be, the end of the year. it'll be interesting interesting to see how Clemson does without Trevor Lawrence. Cause as you know, two years ago, whatever, there's a man named Big Joe blew up the college football and look what happened when he left. I mean, we're looking at a completely different LSU team. Again, I know Dabo is a a different great coach, so and they probably have a top recruit as a new quarterback, but it'll still be interesting to see, you know. Um, just, go ahead, Zach. Once again, I just got to throw this out there just for like debate side of things. Say, say Clemson and Notre Dame go twelve and one like we were, or twelve and zero like we were talking about. Say Clemson goes to the ACC championship game, but they get COVID. So they have to sit out. So they'd be 12 and one. 
we're oh. stretching now. Wow, that's, I, I, that I is just, a, that I, is a scenario. <laughs> that, we are stretching. It's for the podcast sakes. I just, you know what I mean. It then I think we. I, I don't know. They have to base it off who they lose to, like did, you know, what I'm saying like, like strength of schedule, like what their yeah, toughest loss was, Dame or lose tough- to freaking the school of the blind, or did they lose to Alabama? You know, I mean, like just you know, what I'm talking about like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Strength of opponent, who they lose to, and they'll, they'll they'll compare teams they played, how they each do. You know what I'm saying? Okay. But then again, as I always say every year, conference teams will always get the upper hands because that's where money is generated. It's just just facts, man. It's just facts. So you think Clemson would still make it in? Yep. Yeah, I can agree with Des on that. I think Clemson would still make it. Um, I do want to jump back to what Des said about um, Joe Burrow, Big Joe. Um, to an extent, yes, I, I see what you're saying. LSU, you know, they, they weren't very good last year after losing Joe Burrow. But at the same time, um, that LSU team not only lost Joe Burrow, they were completely gutted. Um, they, they lost, I think it was like 17 starters. Maybe it was 18 starters. They, they lost everybody, man. Um so I think there's a difference between between losing one guy, and I guess they lost two. You you saw Travis Etienne go too. Yeah. Um, I, I think there's a difference between losing two or three guys and losing eighteen guys. Um, and it's not like Clemson's bringing in a freshman to play quarterback. They're bringing in a guy that sat and learned behind um behind um Jesus uh Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, sat and you know learned by behind him um we saw him play last year he played in a big game he played against Notre Dame did he, did he win that game no but he also took that Notre, Notre Dame team to double overtime when people really didn't think he could do that you know if you looked at a lot of the predictions on that game everybody said Notre Dame was you know gonna win and win it easily not easily but you know they didn't think it was gonna take double overtime to win it um so it's not like you're losing a guy that like Trevor Lawrence and just bringing a, a freshman in to go play big games. Um, you're bringing someone in that's been there and has played in big games. Um, so again, it, it for that for argument's sake on that one, I don't I don't think that that's a big problem because they lost two or three guys instead of eighteen. Um, and that I, I don't know because I, I hear what you're saying, but like. Then again, you, you were just talking about how everyone's saying he's a generation quarterback, one of the best of all time. Then even, even people say in the past, you know, Clemson would have won that game if Trevor Lawrence was playing. Is that going to be the same scenario this year? You know what I'm saying? Trevor Lawrence isn't there, but yet we were saying that he would they would have won the game if he was there. Right, and I understand what you're saying for that matter. But, again, it all I, I don't think that, it, they, that that's a big problem with it. Notre Dame was a playoff team last year. Do I agree that they should have been a playoff team? No, but they were, and the committee does agree. But the committee agrees, right? So that means they had to see something that, from a fan's perspective, I didn't see. And, again, I've, I've said this probably 100 times today. I'm probably super biased about it because since Notre Dame made it, that left AM on the bubble. <laughs> but, again, it, the, you saw this kid come in and play against a playoff team and take him to double overtime. You know, a kid that hasn't taken a snap all year outside of practice. He comes into, you know, it was in it was in Notre Dame, all the glory, all the lights, all the cameras. You know, it's it, it was a late start game. The game ended at like 11:45 at night. 
you saw him come into a big game with a lot of hype around it and perform. Again, I've I've said this a hundred thousand times in my life. All that matters is the, is two stats: wins and losses. So, with that being said, did he lose that game? Yes. But I think now that he's the outright starter, you're not coming into a situation where you find out four days before the game you're playing in a big game like that. You know, he's had since spring to get ready and play in these games. I I don't see it being a problem. Like I said, we saw him play in a really big game and perform. There was also like 122 points put up in that that game. So, yeah. You're right. I guess we'll just have to season has a store. Yeah. I mean, I, I've, I don't think I've ever been so excited for a college football season. Um, you know, you have Texas A&M c- coming in uh, at a high ranking. And then, like I said, you see the hometown team coming in at a high ranking. I, I'm, I'm really excited to tune in on Saturdays. That's for sure. As you guys can tell with how riled up I've been all day. <laughs> Um, and anything else on that, guys? I just want to throw out that Iowa State, Iowa State coming in at number seven is the highest AP pool that Iowa State has ever entered a season. Yeah, it's exciting. It's exciting to watch. Um, you can't, you know, you can't let the hype uh, overrun you, though. It's all going to come down to you have to perform at this point. Um, everybody exactly, everybody knows what you're capable We all know what they're capable of. Now we just got to see them perform. Right. I think that's, that's also something that a lot of coaches tell their players, hey, man, that number, that's just a number next to a team's name. It all, it all just depends on how good you play and, you know, how much you leave it all on the, on the field. Yeah, agreed. So, uh, um, I know, Des, you said you didn't have anything else. Zach, anything else on the college football race? Mm, Not right now, anyways. All right. Well, I'm sure next week we'll have some more heated arguments about that. Um, We're going to go back to the hometown aspect of things. Um, For the first time ever, last Thursday, we saw a MLB pitch thrown in Iowa in a town that most of you probably haven't heard about. It's called Dyersville, Iowa, the Field of Dreams game. It was the most excited thing, most excited I've been about baseball probably since 2016 when the Cubs won the World Series. Um, I think it was great for the sport. Um, they had the most views, and I think it, it was in 17 years for a regular season baseball game. 16. 16. It, it, yep. was, it was so fun to watch. Um, and, uh, you know, you're playing on a movie site, and it, it truly was a movie-worthy ending. Um, it was amazing. Yeah, so I've been on Twitter, like, that whole week where, like, it was before game and then after the game. And people were saying, oh, it's really not a big deal since they're not playing on the actual field. That's not the point. The point is that it's a first-time game in the state of Iowa, and it's the fact that they recreated it, to, like, trying to think they recreated it to be like the first in MLB history because you have never seen an MLB game be played on a movie set 
So yeah, I guess I, I, I mean, guess I really don't get the sense of people bashing, saying, "Oh, it doesn't matter since it's not on the real field." Right, and you know, no matter what anybody does, you're going to have people that talk down on it or don't like it. That's fine with me. At the end of the day, again, it goes back to you saw more people tune into that game than there's ever been in 16 years. Um, it's just whether you, you know, you turned it on while you were grilling steaks or you, it was late. So you had nothing else to watch. People tuned in to watch a baseball game played in nowhere, Iowa, middle of nowhere, Iowa. Um, you know, and it, it probably doesn't mean as much to other people as it does to, you know, us. And I'm sure we'll hear that aspect of things from Des, but it's just, it's really cool to uh, see, man. Um, I will throw this out there, Zach. This is going to upset you, this little joke I have to make. But uh, the Yankees are now the only uh, only team in MLB history to ever lose a game played in Iowa. It'll be the Cubs next year, don't worry. They'll lose to the Reds <laughs> by three, calling it now. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, but, no, it was fun, you know. Um, Judge blasted a ball into the corn. It stuck to the corn. That was cool. Um, the Yankees come back in the top of the ninth. And then again, this is going to hurt your heart, Zach, but that Tim Anderson walk off into right field. Um, it, 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 like, again, it was just a movie ending to a, what was a historical night and a fun night for not, not just Yankees fans or White Sox fans, just for baseball. It was a great night for baseball. In the state of Iowa. In the state of Iowa. So uh, I, I do want to ask this, Des, did you watch any of the Field of Dreams game? Unfortunately, I did not. But, I figured. <laughs> but I remember watching movies with my dad when I was younger. I was a little creeped out by the voice. I'll put it up put it like that. But, you know, um, I think so many people watched it. Like, of course, there's always a bunch of MLB fans watch it, a bunch of people who watched, seen the movie when they were younger or whatever who watched it. But also, it's just... I feel like anything that's different, you know, it's not just a normal game. They 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 did a really good job marketing it, but people want different things, you know. MLB's really got a bad reputation for being boring, slow, so they spice it up a little bit, and it really worked out. And I've seen that happen before with, you know, NFL when they try to extend out playing games um, out of the U.S. to try to get love for the sport, NBA talked about um, letting players put nicknames on the back of their jerseys. Um, so fans always are going to love something that's, you know, untraditional, something new and exciting. And I think this is something that they can really piggyback on um, for the next coming years. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm excited to see my team get to play in it next year. Um, you know, we're, like we're 350 days out from it next year. And I, I can't wait. Um, I'm waiting for tickets to go on sale to see if I can go. Um, it was just. Look, that, that's, that's what I'm talking about. You're already excited to get tickets. See that that's, that's what it'll be a great job. Of of getting the fans excited. Yeah. It, it was just really, really fun for baseball. And it, you know, that that's something that a lot of baseball fans have said for a long time is, you know, let the kids play, make the game fun. And, um, that, like, that was just a bunch of kids having fun and playing the game. Um, so yeah, um, it didn't, it didn't count toward anyone's record. It didn't, it, it was a game that didn't matter. 
just kind of like the movie. You know, they were just playing. Um, so they, it was the game really, really the fun to watch. And I will admit that. Oh, it did? I was told it didn't count. It, it counted. Oh, well, that sucks for you. Um, but, Des, I will admit with you real quick, uh, man to man, the voice definitely scared me, too, when I was a little kid and watched that movie. Thank you. Thank you. I thought I was only one, man. Um, Zach, any, uh, just go ahead and take it away with what you thought. Um, well, personally, I thought it was – it was truly remarkable that the MLB – actually went through and made it possible but i also obviously well not obviously but there's a chance that they don't see this or hear this but the fox production was remarkable what they did what they there's the scenes that they shot that's that's hard to be for uh for a baseball game what they've showed it was stellar. Um, I also loved uh, my my favorite actor outside of Jim Carrey showing up. I love Kevin Costner. That was super cool. Um, you know, um, it, was, it was just really, really cool, man. Everything about it, the production, the game, the fans, the hype around it, everything was just executed so well. And it, I, 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 again, I don't think I've, as a baseball fan and a baseball player for 18 years now, I've, I've never been so excited to watch an MLB pre- regular season game. That It was really, really just amazing for the sport. I also want to throw that out there. Dylan, you already know this, but uh, I was actually selected to get tickets, but I had work so I couldn't go. But at the same time, it would have been extremely neat to go but I'm glad I didn't because I know that car ride home would have sucked. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I'm having some connection problems, so I I didn't hear that. But, yeah, man, um, again, I'm repeating myself a lot now, but that, that was really exciting, man, and you know, we had we had went to a buddy's um, place to go watch that game, and it was just super fun. You know, you don't you you don't have people get together on a on a Thursday night very often to go watch a pre or a regular season baseball game, and we were all out there just having a good night, a good time. Um, so yeah, like, like I said, I've repeated myself a hundred times talking about this, but it was just super exciting, super cool, and. Um, I'm glad that the MLB is bringing it back. Yeah, I think it's uh, Cubs and Reds next year. Yep, Cubs-Reds next year. It's going to be fun to watch the Reds win. No, you're funny. Um, Yeah, you're probably right. The Cubs suck. We get it. We've talked about that before, (laughs) Um, the the inaugural episode. Um, But if I – if there's nothing else to be said, um, A, thank you guys so much for all the support. Um, we love the feedback. We love every message that you guys send us, you know, positive con- or constructive criticism, all of it. We love it. Um, you know, this, this this isn't us trying to make money or trying to profit off of anything. This is just us doing what we love to do, and that's just talk about the games. Um, 
we've been super blessed to be able to put this together. Um, again, we do apologize for last week. Um, we had a couple different things going on, like I was moving into college and then we had, you know, we had thought the rankings would come out sooner than they, or late. Yeah. Sooner than they did. Um, so thank you for bearing with us. We're, we're doing everything we can to stick to our schedule. Um, and then my last words would be, I want to thank Des. Um, thanks for joining us tonight, man. I hope you had fun and, uh, you're always welcome back on. Just send us a quick message. Um, it, was, it was super fun to get, you know, some different takes and some different thoughts on it. So you're always welcome back. And uh, I had a great time tonight. Of course, love talking to y'all, man. And I wish you luck on this podcast, man. Thank Appreciate you much, it. man. Thank you much. It means a lot. Um, so, yeah, guys. Okay. That is episode four of outside the uprights with Zach and Dylan with special guest Des. Um, we will catch y'all on Saturday and from now on every Saturday, no matter what, we will take care of you guys. And um, you guys are putting in work for us and doing everything you can for us. So we're going to put that same energy back into you guys. Sir. Sure.